Hello, and welcome to a bonus episode for your reconsideration. I'm Devin. I'm Kyle. And today we are continuing our discussion of the best films of 1971 that were eligible for the 1972 Academy Awards. So if you haven't listened to the first episode yet, uh, definitely go back and do that because it is scintillating. (laughs) Um, To recap, though, in case you forgot, the 1972 Oscars, those nominees were... Uh, The French Connection, The Last Picture Show, A Clockwork Orange, Nicholas and Alexandra, and Fiddler on the Roof with The French Connection winning. Just to get everybody back up on speed about what we're talking about. But we're not talking about those movies today. Again, if you want to hear about those movies, go listen to the last episode. We'll be here when you get done. Uh, But today we're going to talk about some... (laughs) <laughs> today we're going to talk about some movies that came out to 71 that weren't nominated for best picture um and maybe they should have so some other notable films that still are not the films we're talking about but just some other notable films that came out in 1971 uh willy wonka and the chocolate factory Ooh. yeah dirty harry which i assume that's like the first dirty harry right i'm assuming yeah that's cool franchise I remember, like, my grandpa always tells the story of going to see it, and there was, like, a line across the bridge, and it was, like, freezing. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's crazy. Uh, Duel, which that was... Is that Spielberg's first movie? Yeah. Um, McCabe and Mrs. Miller. And THX 1138, which was George Lucas's first movie? Why'd you say it if you weren't sure? Because I wasn't sure. And then I thought maybe you were going to say it and then you weren't. So I was like, I guess I'll say it. And then I was like, what if I'm wrong? And that's why he's not saying it. No, it's that's what it is. Okay. Have you ever seen it? Yeah. Is it good? I don't like it. Is that why you didn't pick it for us to watch? <laughs> I mean, no, not necessarily. It's just like, I mean, it's, you know, it's all right. It's obviously, it's like a right out of collar. It might have been actually, I think he made the original short for his like thesis in college or oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. project. That's what and is. then, yeah, then he got Robert Duvall to be in it. The real one. That's cool. But it's it's like it's just not my thing. It's I've fine never though. Seen it. I do think in the one picture I saw of Robert Duvall, he kind of looks like um, what's that guy's name? Great story. <laughs> Love it. Oh, uh, why can't I? As if this thing? podcast isn't boring <laughs> enough. <laughs> wow, can we just move on? Like it's not even that important of a movie. What's random thread? Like what's his name? I can't think of his name. Daniel Day Lewis. Thank you, Daniel Day Lewis. You couldn't get Daniel Day Lewis. Okay. No, I knew it was three names, but I couldn't. All I could think of was serial killers. <laughs> and Neil Patrick Harris. <laughs> Maybe it's the same thing. Maybe. He's got the perfect disguise. Yeah, I mean, no one would ever suspect him. Right. So, uh, never mind. Let's stop talking about movies that we haven't watched. Okay. And let's talk about movies that we did watch. Yay! Starting with Harold and Maude, directed by Hal Ashby, um, distributed by Paramount. Synopsis, young, rich, and obsessed with death, Harold finds himself changed forever when he meets lively septuagenarian Maude at a funeral. Whoa, septuagenarian? Yeah. What does that mean? It means someone in their 70s. Wow, Okay. What's gotcha. your learning moment for the day? I mean, I'm not going to remember that. <laughs> I'll probably ask the next person who says it. What's that mean? <laughs> uh, some fun tidbits of information about this movie. Uh, UCLA student Colin Higgins wrote Harold and Maude as his master's thesis. And then he was like working for a producer and let his wife read the script. And she loved it so much that she convinced her husband to take it to the studio and originally colin higgins who wrote it was they like signed it they liked the script they signed it or whatever and then he was signed on to direct it but then he did like some test shots for them and they were like no (laughs) you're not directing this (laughs) but when hal ashby signed on he said he wouldn't do it without colin higgins permission like blessing so cool they met they got along blah 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 um, it was critically and commercially unsuccessful when originally <laughs> released, uh, but the film developed a cult following, and by 1983, it was making a profit. Wow. Only so it's still playing over 12 10 years, years later. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, so in the movie, uh, the entire soundtrack is Cat Stevens, and they were the songs in the film were taken from his albums Mona Bone Jaconi. Or T for the Tiller Man. 
He wrote the opening song, Don't Be Shy, and If You Want to Sing Out, Sing Out, especially for the film. Which I think is funny, because, like, obviously I've heard those songs before, but I just, so I just thought that they were, like, using those songs in this movie. Right. I think it's cool that he wrote it for them. For sure. I, you know, I've said it before, and I'll say it again, but I don't mean it in, you know, a negative way. But again, when you introduce this category as fun facts, they're not fun. Well, they're just not how you can say a little background about the movie. Okay, fine. (laughs) That's what I'll say then. Okay. You don't know. There could be like people who find this very fun. Sure. Be the funnest part of their day. Now you just made them feel bad. Here's here's a new category. All right, guys. For some fun facts, go to IMDb and click on the trivia button for the movie. (laughs) And now to our review. Well, since you have so much to say, why don't you tell me <laughs> what you thought about Harold and Maude? All right. Well, Harold and Maude, I think we agreed was like the movie we're, cause you know, we're doing the supplemental thing. It's new, obviously mm-hmm. we're each picking one movie and there's one movie that's like, how have we not seen this? And that was that movie for the Harold and yes. Maude was that movie for this, for our category. Um, so it was the one we just felt like, yeah, we needed to for sure see this one. Um, you know, I can't remember where I first heard about it, but I've certainly heard just a lot of people referencing it, referencing, 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 referencing. thank you, <laughs> referencing, I can't do it, I mean, you know what, they talk about it a lot, mm-hmm. um, but I knew nothing about the story, uh, it certainly captures a tone that I think has been replicated um, a lot since, or at least homaged in a way, mm-hmm. but Man, I mean, in all the movies we watched, like kind of like leading up to this, I've not seen anything like it before in like relation to, you know, the history of, uh, you know, the Oscars or anything. It's really, really kind of an inter- interesting, uh, interesting movie. Uh, very funny. Uh, what's his name? Bill C- Bud Bud Court. Bud Court gives an. He has, apparently has a ton of credits, but I mean, this is what he's most known for. Um, it just gives a superb performance. And just when you think, you know, he's the best performance in the movie, we're introduced to Maude, played by... Ruth Gordon. Ruth Gordon, who just steals the show, She's takes amazing. it home. I mean, you just want to... She reminds me of, like, a, a Penny Lane from Almost Famous. Just a character that pops in and just, like, I want to follow She's her now. She's the original Manic Pixie Dream Girl. Right, yeah, there you go. Like, right? Like... <laughs> I'm, I'm, but I like you. You're fine. Or Harold, you know, mm-hmm. but can we more of this, like less of you and your mom, more of Maude. Uh, although I do kind of love the stuff with him and his mom. Yeah. The movie just, it flows really well. It's chopped up from scene to scene. It just seems like, where are we going? And I don't know if there really is like a, a concrete plot. There's just some conflicts and they're addressed throughout like a constant him trying to get or his mom trying to get him a wife. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, he you know befriends Maude, and this wonderful, wonderful relationship forms from it. And uh, I don't know; it's really something to behold. It's a, I mean, it's considered a cult classic, like you said earlier. I see no doubt why uh, it wouldn't be. Absolutely, I agree. You know, I definitely like same as you. I'd heard about this movie a lot, and I feel like I feel like I always hear it referenced when people are talking about like May December romances or like that kind of thing. And so, like that's all I really knew about it. I had no idea that it was Wait, oh, what a May December romance. Yeah, it's, that's what it's called when you're like a young person with an old person. Really, May December? Yeah. I'm, just, I mean, I'm learning so many new things today. <laughs> See, fun facts is what you're yeah, learning. You're, you're right. You, you <laughs> sprinkled some fun facts in there. Um. But I going into it, I did not realize that it was a black comedy. And I mean, I love black comedies a lot. And this is probably one of the best, honestly, that I've ever seen. Because it is, it's really good. It's got very, like, touching moments. And it's got the heart. And it's got that. And then it's got the humor in it is so dark. And it's perfect. It's so perfect. And it's absurd. But... That's what it needs. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's just perfectly done. It's it's like so perfectly done that I feel like even though I do hear this movie talked about a lot, I still feel like it should be talked about more because it hits all the tones that it hits. It hits so perfectly that I think a lot of films struggle. Right. To do but that. I feel like it's one of those things now, like it's a staple, I think, for a lot of people that then not ripped it off. Yeah. But certainly copied elements, copied style. 
and tone and made the things that audiences do love today or, you know, Mm -hmm. even in the 80s, the 90s, whatever. I think it's just like it's that original. So, yeah, it's not. It's just been so diluted by other people kind of taking it and seeing where they can go with it. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I will say, too, it is. I feel like in, in doing this podcast and watching all these movies, um, it's making me appreciate a lot more well-told love stories because I just think so many movies are so bad at it that now when I see a movie that's good at it, I'm just like, yes, this is what it's supposed to be. Like when they show two people who you like fully understand the attraction between them and what they see in each other and why they are in love. I'm like, yeah. And to be clear, they meet because they both go to funerals. Yeah. They both like to hang out at funerals. Yeah. And it's just, it's beautiful. I mean, it sounds so crazy, but it's beautiful. Are you crying? No, I'm not crying. I was crying like during the movie though. Like it was beautiful. Yeah. And it's, uh, I mean, it's funny because I'm talking about like this beautiful love story. And then like so much of the movie is like suicide imagery. (laughs) Yeah. For a joke. (laughs) But like, yeah, it's the punchline. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So like trigger warning. I think it's the first like Hal Ashby movie I've seen too. And I really like his eye. Uh, yes oh the way one of my favorite shots is when where are they it's i think it goes they're like somewhere and it's a field of daisies so it's like green with a mm -hmm. bunch of white flowers and then it like fades into their like driving through a graveyard so then it's just like white tombstones yeah that was so right like i really think you took this script that's very bleak and just again it's kind of choppy like it really Mm -hmm. is um, but he really just added an eye to it that was humorous in itself and beautiful at times and really well done. And no, no, like none of the camera movements are like played for laughs or anything like that, but it certainly aids in the humor of, from the actors, which is just fantastic. Yes. Okay. That's, okay. Yeah. Well, let's see what other people thought of it. Sure. On Rotten Tomatoes, it has an audience score of 93%. And a critic score of 86%. Um, as far as its legacy goes, um, the American Film Institute on their list of 100 laughs, a.k.a. greatest comedies, it ranked at number 45. On their list of the greatest love stories, it ranked at number 69. Huh. On their list of the 100 cheers, which I think is like inspiring, make you feel good movies, it's ranked at number 89. And on their list, on their 10 top oh, 10. It's a feel good movie, okay. <laughs> wow. What is this very she teaches him to want to no, live. I get it, but it's like uh, cute in the end for, you know, a brief moment. Sure. Um, and their 10 top 10, it ranked as the number nine romantic comedy. In 2000. Yeah, for sure. In 2005, the Writers Guild of America ranked the screenplay number 86 on its list of the 101 greatest screenplays ever written. And it was selected for preservation in the National Film Registry of Library of Congress in 1997. Awesome. Yeah. I couldn't find box office numbers for it, but we well, know yeah, it took a while it, it for it to a, earn some money. Some, <laughs> profit. Yeah, that's really interesting. So yeah, that's yeah, it's Harold and Mon. Jinx. Next up is Clute by Alan J. Pakula. Is that right? Pacula. Pacula. I'm just kidding. It's probably Pakula. I think Pacula is probably right. I think it's Pakula. Well... Let's not ever say it again. Okay. Um, we'll refer to him now as the director. Director. Call him Alan. <laughs> it was produced by Warner Brothers. Synopsis. A small town detective searching for a missing man has only one lead. A connection with a New York prostitute. Yeah, that's a, that's a good synopsis. I mean, uh, it's not. the plot. <laughs> yeah, like, it's, it's interesting enough to get you involved. And, like, it doesn't. It's true, yet that kind of makes it sound more, I don't know, detective story than that. But, I mean, it, yeah. is, it is kind of a detective story. Like, I'll give you that. But it's just also, I don't yeah. know. I don't, yeah. You don't realize, you're not, knowing, not knowing that synopsis, you don't realize it's a detective story till like, 20 minutes in. Yeah, and I will say, like, I never cared if we found the missing person. Do you know what I mean? Like, that was never, like... Yeah. Oh, I must I must know where this man is. Like that's I true. That's true though. That's so true. I didn't really care. Yeah. Like if he's dead, fine. Yeah. You know what I mean, if he's alive, cool. 
<laughs> but you're yeah. right. It wasn't really. And in the end, that. it wasn't really important. You know what I mean? It wasn't like. Eh, it was closure, but. I guess. Well, it was just like, a, like oh, he's dead probably. Well, yeah. <laughs> All right. Do you want to have some, hear some background about this film? Yeah, I would love to hear some background about it. All right. Clute is the first installment in what informally came to be known as Pecula's Paranoia Trilogy. The other two films in the trilogy are The Parallax View in 1974 and All the President's Men in 1976. Jane Fonda, who won the Best Actress Oscar for her performance in this movie, gave... Um, one of the shortest acceptance speeches in the award show history. She said, thank you. Thank you very much, members of the Academy. And thank all of you who applauded. There's a great deal to say, and I'm not going to say it tonight. I would just like to really thank you very much. Cool. So yeah, that's it. Oh, wow. Not a lot of background about that movie. No, I'm keeping it shorter. This is a supplemental episode. <laughs> okay. Uh, do you want me to go first? Yeah, I would love for you to go first. Okay. Well, this was like Kyle was saying with the supplemental, with these bonus episodes, we kind of like pick the, the one that we need to see. And then we each get to pick a movie. Yeah. To round off the three. So this is the movie that I picked largely because, um, after listening to, you must remember this series about Jane Fonda and Gene Seberg. Uh, I really wanted to watch Clute because I heard that it was very good and I wanted to see it. And uh, it was very good. And her performance is very, very good. I think she 100% deserves an Oscar. <laughs> I will say it is like, it's an interesting, you know, we were talking about the synopsis is like, oh, it's a detective story. But it's really not a tech story because like we're saying, it doesn't, the the central mystery isn't really the driving force behind it. It's really more of a character study of Brie Daniels played by Jane Fonda. And I think it's an interesting take on a sex worker and for it to have come out so early in, I mean, before this, they weren't making a lot of movies about sex workers in general because of the code and whatever. But, um, I think it's honestly one of the more nuanced performances that I've seen, even of movies that have come out afterwards. And I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that Jane Fonda had a lot of say in it. Like, you know, I was saying that she originally in the script, her psychiatrist was supposed to be a man. And then Jane Fonda was like, this character would never open up to a man like that. And so they changed it to a woman and that kind of thing. Um, but it really is just a character study of this woman and the choices that she has made and why and kind of this, like it's like a suspense thing too. Cause it's like, she's being watched. She's in danger. There's some really great tension building that happens and that is paid off. Um, my one criticism, it turns into like a love story about halfway through, <laughs> which, which I understand, but I just feel like Donald Sutherland was giving me nothing in this movie. Like, he was doing nothing and him and Jane Fonda legitimately were having an affair. So I'm just like, why isn't there more chemistry or just like anything happening? They were having an affair. Was he married during the making this movie? I don't oh. know if he was, but they were like together. They were oh, dating. You're bringing like, I'm sorry. I thought you were talking about their characters. Oh no, 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 no. I'm talking about Donald Sutherland and Jane oh, okay. Fonda started dating. Well, I didn't take the relationship as anything like, <sighs> See, I didn't take it as anything we needed to cl to grasp onto. Like at first, she was just using him, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, he was using her. Well, yeah, they were both using each other, but like I don't think there was anything serious there at first, and then well, he not... had more feelings. But then, yeah, I don't think that was ever at the forefront, though. Well, I don't care if it's. I'm not saying it was at the forefront, but I'm also just saying like I thought Donald Sutherland's performance was not good. I just felt like he was not giving a good performance, and that kind of yeah, it's weird. He comes from like Mash, where he's like this yeah, chari like charismatic. You know, well, that's arguable. <laughs> well, he's still charismatic, but you know, he's given this like comedy performance, and he comes here, and he's just very one note. He like has he has the same facial expression throughout everything. Right. And my other criticism is that the the climax of the film, where she kind of is confronted by the the person that has been stalking her and yeah. has killed two of her friends, um, and he's gonna like I thought everything leading up to like the final moment where he's like playing her the tape and all that like that was great but then the final like struggle was 
over so fast and everything was shot so darkly that i'm just like i don't even fully understand what just happened and now we're just moving on (laughs) yeah the you know the one because i thought again i thought the i thought the camera and the eye was really good in this film as well and gordon willis as cinematographer sure doesn't like light (laughs) but uh he did the godfather movies for those of you out there who maybe don't recognize his name um the, yeah, the action was the one like weird thing. Like it didn't, it's like it didn't work or it was supposed to be something else, but they were just like left with, well, we have to have something and right. we're just going to cut this together, make it work. It seemed very jarring and like not intentional. Yeah, it did. It felt very, cause it's just like they're struggling. And then all of a sudden he like, Donald Sutherland just like runs into the room and the guy just like throws himself backwards out a window. And I'm yeah. like, what? I think he was like always ready to kind of, you know he wasn't gonna go down no like that um he's crazy enough that it worked for me mm-hmm. like for him to just jump out the window it worked for me i wasn't like what or anything like that it kind of it just worked for me he wasn't gonna lose everything he had um because of this very weird situation uh series of events but yeah then he also had killed people for sure um but yeah, I mean, I agree with you. Donald Sutherland was not really a selling point on this movie for me originally. He sure didn't he succeed in like impressing me at all. No. But you're right. I mean, Jade Fonda just murdered this performance-wise. Um, just amazing to watch. She said something like she had some control. Like, why was she? Why did she have like so much power in 1971? Well, I think they were just I don't know. Hellish, or no, sorry, Alan Pacula just listen to her oh okay okay i think he was the type of director who like let them create their characters i mean and whatever else seems that way for sure i mean he would just leave a camera on a performance yeah and probably only cut when he like absolutely had to for whatever reason bad takes or whatever else he just let the performances go which i mean was really was really cool in a lot of in a lot of instances mm-hmm. um definitely a slow build movie not a lot really happens, but there is just some, it's, I feel like there is more style in this movie than there is substance. Yes. But it works. And the substance only, what substance there is only aids the style. Mm-hmm. Like in a, in a, in a big way. Uh, I mean, again, that first scene in that like clothing factory where she is going to this older gentleman and she just starts repeating verbatim probably a story she's told 10 20 times before while also uh slowly undressing and it's it's very dark there's not a lot it's not it doesn't feel mm-hmm. and it's it's shot from like donald Sutherland's like spying on them and so it's shot from his yeah, perspective so it's like, it's like far away and kinda, like it's very it's very cool it works and it's very it's very seductive because mm-hmm. again it's not very exploitative like it's it's just there and it's yeah it works like it's just and it's one of the most i don't know beautiful scenes i think in the entire movie too and Mm -hmm. how it's shot and what and its look um but yeah it's it's all this movie's a lot of style over substance and but i can appreciate that at the end of the day and i really enjoyed it but jane jane's jane fonda's performance is is incredible yeah i would agree because you know watching it i was just kind of like the plot is thin for sure there's just like and it has problems you know, so I was like watching, I was kind of like annoyed because I'm like, this movie doesn't make a whole lot of sense, mm-hmm. but it's so visually entertaining and f- it's so stylish. And like, I love all of her costumes in it. I love her hair, which is like iconic, honestly. And like, um, sorry, I said like so much, but I love the look of this movie so much that it is one of those things for me where it's like, I could see myself rewatching it just for like inspiration in a style sense not just in clothing but like in general you know what i mean i think that that's where it really shines i like that and jane fonda's performance obviously which is like the major draw of this movie right but yeah donald sutherland can just he's not impressed well i yeah, liked like, him in ordinary well, people I understand. That's all that right, I like. and i understand he's probably like a hot commodity because again mash was such a big hit the year before but I, we know you hate mash they you, couldn't see my face you could have just let that happen oh that's true <laughs> <laughs> uh but uh 
I mean, hot commodity, like another selling point to this movie. Like, I don't know what Jane Fonda did the year before. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't know yeah. where she was at uh, temp- temperature wise, but yeah, maybe that's what they needed to get this th- kind of thing going. And, uh, and again, I didn't know really, uh, Pakula's work. You know, I've obviously, I've seen all the president's men, but that mm-hmm. came a few years later after this, uh, that guy knew what he was doing. Uh, I'm surprised he's not really talked about more. Um, yeah. I will certainly try to include him more in future discussions, but, uh, very very talented director for sure and one final note just on like a feminism watch here Mm -hmm. i do feel like this movie is fairly progressive in the way that it treats women obviously because she's a sex worker but they she's treated with respect she's treated with like she's not treated as someone who like has to do this because she's like down on her luck and she's some like fallen woman or whatever you know what i mean like she's making her own choices i mean i hmm. i will feel like i don't think they're taking a stand i feel like they play both sides really well Someone who uh, thinks that sex workers are tramps or whatever else will easily, at the end of the day, still feel that way. But I feel I mean, I that guess. more progressive types will also see the progressive, the, the like the progression in there, uh, the progressiveness in her performance and her character. Uh, because I mean, she is talked down upon a lot for as, but like not in like again, not so insulting. But it's like, oh, this is what she does. They give like a. a, a, a Oh, well, lost, sure, but I mean, thought, I feel but... like that's also realistic. I think people do talk down when they talk about sex workers. And, sure. But I think that it showed that she was smart. She was still smart. She was still talented. She was still, you know what I mean? It yeah. wasn't showing her as some sort of. Right. Just like this is the but only like, thing she could do. But you know, like you said the thing like, so the code you mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Honestly, like, and I know the code is gone at this point. But to me, see, like, her wanting to, like, she's seeing a psychi- like a, psychi- a psychiatrist and she's, you know, she talks about how she doesn't like this life. And, and she goes back to being like, I used to make so much money. I lived on Park Avenue, like, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And she says at one point, like, like that she was really good at it mm-hmm. and she enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. So why didn't she just keep doing that? Well, she couldn't keep doing it because after they, they arrested her, when they started questioning her about that guy, they got her arrested. And so she spent oh, two months in heat, jail. That's right. I put a lot of heat on her. Yeah. So was she worried that this heat was still there? Because it really felt like she didn't want to do that anymore. Well, I think because she was working for Roy Schreider too yeah. when that yeah. was happening. I think oh, she got way, away from him. Awesome, just like little performance in this movie. He was really good. Like he's just in it for a few scenes and just like He was better solid. in this movie than he was in The French Connection. I'm just going to say it. Well, that's not fair. I feel like he was really good in the French Connection. It's just he wasn't no. really, he wasn't really given his his share. He was like he was super solid. No. Okay. Um, but he's just a cool. He was like an Alfred Molina in in uh, in Boogie Nights type of character in this. Like not as cool, but certainly just effective for being in a very small portion of the movie. I don't know why that's the character that came to mind. Maybe because they're both like kind of sleazy yeah (laughs) this is sleazy type of characters um i will say this that scene in the nightclub where she like yeah freaks out and goes back to him is one of the coolest it's everything like i and there's like no i feel like that whole there's like a whole section in that like later part where i I think there's like four words set across like five scenes (laughs) yeah and it's all just like visually telling you what's happening which is really cool that's what we should do right yeah unlike the next one we'll talk about which is just wordy, 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 wordy. Lots of words. Uh, but you know, again, like I, 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 you know, I can't pinpoint it, but it really felt like it was. That was the only way we're, we were supposed to like her at the end of the day is that she was trying to escape this life. Do you know what I mean? And like that just felt so forced to me. I don't know. I don't think that. I mean, maybe I was just coming at it from my own perspective, but I definitely didn't see that. And I think you know it ends with her leaving with him, but the voiceover, she's like. I'll probably be back next week, you know? Right. So I just feel like it is kind of like she's trying, but she's also fully accepting that she's flawed and that. No, I know. And I told totally you, I mean, that. like we don't even get female characters like that now. Like you get so few flawed female characters that are interesting now. Yeah. So if I was, was like in 1971, that's no, you're, you're right. It is huge. Again, it is, I just, I don't, I don't know why I said, it's not like it, it hurt my, it hurt the movie experience for me. It just felt like, it felt like what's you know the movie uh, with um, uh, Betty Davis. And All she, about Eve. No, 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 no. Oh. And she kills that man. Oh, in the, the letter. The letter. 
She was this badass bitch doing awesome yeah. shit, but she has to get she has to get it in the end, right? She has that's to die how, because she yeah. exactly because that's how it works. It's just like it kind of felt very much. You like felt that. like in this, it's like oh, you like her, so we're gonna redeem if, her by if we're, if we're giving gonna, her a relationship. Exactly, exactly. I can see that kinda, for sure. But at the same time, that's such a minor thing. It's just. You know, that that's one thing that could just kind of set wrong for me. Otherwise, like, I mean, I truly, like, loved this movie with a capital L. I really Absol- enjoyed it. I mean, you look at, and too, I feel like even now in 2018, we're still kind of learning how to address sex work. So I feel like in 1971, like, yeah, they didn't have it all right, figured out. Right. But when you consider, like, this came out the year after MASH, this is, like, a feminist manifesto. <laughs> no, okay, that's fair. That's fair. All right, so let's see what maybe, other... Maybe, uh, this would be an interesting story. Maybe uh, Donald, Sutherland. Donald Sutherland was trying to, like... Make up for that? Yeah, maybe he was just like, guys, I didn't realize how that was going to play. <laughs> I don't think anyone besides us realizes that's how MASH plays, though. <laughs> that's true. No, I don't know. I don't know. I just don't think it's a movie really talked about. Like, when people say MASH, they, talk they about don't the think show. about the movie. Yeah, yeah, the TV show was so great. That that's true. The TV show's greatness eclipses whatever the movie does. Exactly. Enough about Mash. Let's talk about what other people thought of Clute. It has a Rotten Tomato audience score of eighty percent and a critic score of ninety seven percent. Um, it doesn't. It's not really named to any notable lists. Sure. Although, in addition to Jane Fonda winning an Oscar, it was also nominated for best screenplay. They had a really long definition, but it's basically like oh, not yeah. adapted from anything. It's like not, it's, wait, no, no, no. It was, oh, it was, no, it was either based on a different. On factual ma- events. On factual events. Okay. Or, or it's, oh, it's not based on its own, on previous Dude, material. Whatever. They like phrase it in the longest the, way possible. They've always just been figuring shit out. That's for a, best <laughs> original screenplay. <laughs> so um, it was nominated. Also, I do want to say, wasn't Harold and Maude nominated for any Oscars? No. Like I thought Jane... No, was Ruth Gordon? No. Or Ruth Gordon? She wasn't nominated for an Oscar? I don't think so. I can check real quick. I thought you did check and she said she was. Is that incorrect? Devin's pulling out her big book of facts. <laughs> that probably has more interesting facts. I look at this too. Does it not? Oh, do you really? Yeah. Oh. Did we introduce? Did we talk about music in the last episode, or am I just gonna have to throw that in there and surprise people? Yeah, we did. There's we did? no music in bonus episodes. What? There's not music in bonus episodes. No, but did we mention in the last episode? I hope so. I don't think we did. It was Shaft. Oh, you're right. You're right. Who can forget that? No music in this one. Oh, I got a song. No, Ruth Gordon wasn't nominated. It doesn't look like Harold and Ma was nominated for anything. That's a shame. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyway, Clue. Made $12.5 million at the box office. Is that a lot? Devin. Who knows? Oh, there you are. Sounds like a lot. It does sound like if a lot. If someone gave me $12.5 million, I'd be like, thanks. Right. Thanks so much. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's talk about our last supplemental movie picked anyway, by Kyle. Wait, hold on. I want to say one other thing about Clue. Okay. It like really bothers me that she says like, Oh, you want to party? <laughs> like, I just hate that so much. It's cringe. I feel like that's really what they said. No, though. I know because I feel like it's say it's like not saying let's fuck. You right. Know, it's not saying like you already have sex just in case they're being sure. Whatever. I just like, it's just so cringe worthy to me. I'm sorry. It just stuck with me. Cool. You ready to party? Sorry. You want to party with our next movie? Yeah. Okay. The movie that you picked for us to watch. Yes. Which is. I stand by it. Okay. Well, you're like being very judgmental right now. I'm not being judgmental. I'm just. You're you I'm are making sure the audience knows that I picked this one. They already know. I've already explained well, how no, it you're works. Like, you're just hammering that that in. It's Carnal Knowledge by Mike Nichols, uh, produced directed by, by Mike Nichols. Yes, directed by Mike Nichols, produced by AVCO Embassy Pictures. Real independent shit right here. Synopsis. Chronicling the lifelong sexual development of two men who meet and befriend one another in college. That's a terrible synopsis. Development. Yeah. And also it's not about two men at all. What do you mean? We 
Our Garfunkel leaves the movie after the first half hour and we see him for like a combined 15 oh, minutes in the no, rest of the movie. No, it's he's still very much in it. We don't know anything about him. I mean, it's like mostly about Jack Nicholson, yes, but like that's a fine so not. No, development is the word I have a problem. Well, yeah, with. development is also a problem. There's almost like a de-evolution <laughs> of <laughs> but All right. Here's some background. Cool. The script was originally written as a play um, by Jules Pfeiffer, who sent it to Mike Nichols, and Mike Nichols thought it would work better as a film. He's wrong. <laughs> it, it, while watching that movie, I was like, this should have been a play. Like, I yeah. felt they really... Like, if To me, it felt like a play. Like, it felt like the type of story... The type of conversations you would see in like a, a, a you know a downtown play like you wouldn't yes it honestly i don't know if it really works as a movie so well yeah we'll i do think it, it would we'll work better it, as a play. i'm sorry i'm sorry okay. better as a play um so some controversy with the film Ooh. uh at a theater in albany georgia they showed the film and people were outraged local police served a search warrant on the theater and seized the film what? And in March of 1972, the theater manager at that theater, Mr. Jenkins, I don't know why he doesn't have a first name, was convicted of the crime of distributing obscene material. His conviction was upheld by the Supreme Court of Georgia. But on June 24th, 1974, the U.S. Supreme Court found that yeah. the state of Georgia had gone too far in yeah, classifying no the material as obscene. No, it had to go the all the way up to the Supreme Court. I think court. someone in the in the in the Georgia Supreme Court had had a little anger issue towards Mr. Jenkins. Yeah, there <laughs> is. I think sounds they, like something else was going right, on. Something there. was staged. Mr. Jenkins fucked over somebody somewhere <laughs> somehow, and this was their way of getting revenge. Yeah, that's bullshit. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. That's all I got. Oh, okay. Yeah, would have been a better play. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, the reason developing, uh, sexual relationships is kind of like a, it's kind of tough for us is because, I mean, the movie literally opens up on credits, like black with credits. And we're hearing this conversation between college age characters played by Jack Nicholson and Art Garfunkel. Yes. That Art Garfunkel. I think he was billed as Arthur Garfunkel on this though. Oh, whatever. <laughs> okay. Garfunkel. No. Uh, <laughs> And it's just this this conversation about would you rather be loved or would you rather love? Like if you could only if mm -hmm. one could only exist. And then it starts talking about size of breasts and ass and legs, and that never goes away. No. But so yeah, so you basically were introduced to these two characters at a they're at a college mixer. Um, they're from one school. There's some girls and other people from other schools, whatever. That I'm sure are close. That's how by. mixers work. Yeah. Um but yeah, then it just be, it's this game. He's Jack Nicholson's like, you can have her, that one, and then Art, you know, builds up the courage to go talk to her and blah blah blah. <coughs> so the relationship a relationship starts between Art Garfunkel and Candace Bergen, Candace Bergen's characters, um, and then it's going slow she's not really into it he forces himself upon her it's, it's weird it's yes it's very hard to watch the first half of the movie is like really hard to watch well the whole thing is <laughs> awkward. Like never stopping hard you're to right watch. it's very cringeworthy um but yeah so turns out she does him a sexual favor he tells of course his best friend jack nicholson about it and jack nicholson suddenly also becomes interested in Bergen's character. Candace Bergen. Bergen's character. Sorry. Bergen's character. Because apparently she's the only girl that gives out hand jobs in this college. Right. Well, see, I was trying to like not use such words. It's fine. Although I laughed when you said 69 earlier. <laughs> you did. <laughs> <laughs> like I didn't have a microphone in front of my face. <laughs> um, but yeah, so basically we just have these this obscene dialogue. And the reason, the main reason I'm telling you kind of works like a play is one, you've seen plays like this where it chronicles a couple characters throughout many decades or, you know, several points in their lives. Jumps around super mm -hmm. easily. Um, but also, this thing is just complete talk. Everything is wordy. And I'm like, Mike Nichols is a, you know, theater director first. Mm -hmm. I understand that that's kind of his material. I don't know why he saw this as a movie. I don't know if he was just desperate to make more money than he possibly <laughs> could in a theater. Like, I'm not sure, you know? <laughs> Uh, very odd. 
but yeah, so it's very wordy. It's all kind of obscene to a point where it just gets kind of old, um, especially in the college, in the college era. I will say, I loved the middle section. Again, very hard to watch. Jack Nicholson makes you hate him with the things he says and how he treats and Margaret and Margaret's character, uh, Bobby, Bobby. Oh, but sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. No, you go ahead. What do you, what do you say? I'm just basically kind of rolling through it, but well, I was just going to say uh, his relationship with Bobby in this movie actually reminded me of the relationship that he had with, uh, in five easy pieces with Ray. I felt like that was like very similar in a way. Right. And like Bobby was just like a classier version of Ray, really. That's ooh. Oh, sorry. Bobby was a classier version of Ray. Yeah. Okay. That's just a thought that I, I could had. see it. I mean, he treated both of them very badly. Yeah, and I feel like that's probably why he was sought after the rule. I mean, obviously he was very hot at this at this yeah. time, but um, you know, the movie once you get past the college years. Like, I feel like you start to realize this is about men and women, like 100%. Mm-hmm. And it's a character study for sure. But, I mean, it's not a character study in, like, here's the weird thing. I don't think – it's not so much a character study in the characters we're seeing, but it's a character study for the audience of the people you know or maybe some elements of yourself that you see and you're projecting onto these characters. You're allowing these characters to be projected on you. Because again, like like Clute, this is a this is a movie where the camera. Actually, both movies we kind of watch for self mentals. This is a movie where the camera doesn't move a lot, or you know, it stays on characters for a long period of time, and it really lets you dive into like their performance and who they are. The th- you're paying attention to the things they're saying because you don't really have much. The movie's not distracting you in any way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's you know. As you pointed out, I'm just rambling now. I feel I'm sorry. I'm just I just keep talking. But as you pointed out, like you said, what you kind of hated about this movie was that the women kept leaving the screen. Mm -hmm. So like after the college years, even though she remains a character in Art Garfunkel's character's life throughout the rest of the movie, we don't see her again. We don't see Candace Bergen. 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 Okay. We don't see Candace Bergen again. But she. We know that they are married. And then Bobby, after this middle section ends, you know, she's gone. But she's there these are two of the best characters in the movie. Yes. And they're leaving our they're leaving these men's lives as they're leaving our screen. And I feel like in a, like in a lot of ways that is but they're not leaving the men's lives is the thing. Because Sandy stays married to her and then apparently Jack Nicholson marries Bobby. But it's showing that these fucking terrible men like if this is how you act and if this is how you view the view the world and women specifically, these are this is what's going to happen to you. And I think Art Garfunkel is just as punished as as Jack Nicholson's character. You know, what I mean, they all mm-hmm. get what they have coming to them because of how they treat sexuality and the women in their lives. They're left with very little to hold on to. Mm-hmm. Like Jack Nicholson may have a lot of money in the future. But what else does he have? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? They are suffering because of how they're just so worried about behave, you know, like behaving with each other, but then also just like some of the selfish masculine bullshit that, you know, is associated with men and for good reason because they prove it, you know, they've proven that it needs like, what am I trying to say? You know I mean, there's like a stereotype about mm-hmm. terrible men and how they treat women. And it's like, it's because it's true. Right. Right. Like there's truth behind that. And this is just showing two characters who never really matured because they never really like allowed themselves to mature. They were, they weren't, they were living outside of like what it really means to care about someone or be cared about. And they are most, they are more focused on the superficial. Mm-hmm. Now it sucks because there are some moments in the movie where like, our Garfunkel is seen like, oh, she has ideas. And he gets interested, right? Mm-hmm. He gets interested. His mind is aroused. But at the end of the day, it goes back to sexuality. Yeah. That's really the only value that they place on women is their bodies and mm-hmm. sex. And 
And then like, that's all they end up with at the end. You know, at the, by the at the end of it, Jack Nicholson's character Johnny is paying for sex, and Art Garfunkel's character Sandy is with an eighteen. He's forty years old with an yeah. eighteen year old. She finally left him. And right, he's seeing an eighteen year old. Right, so it's like all they ever wanted was sex, and that's all they end up with. You know. Yeah. I mean, what what like what I'm really trying to say is like actually summarized in one of the most in one of the most cringeworthy scenes in the entire movie, the slideshow of Bobby yeah. in the third act as he's going through all of the women that he's been with. Or, yeah, had any association. Right. And the way he talks about them is just like, well, I can see why that ended. Do you mm -hmm. know what I mean? And it's just, it's sad. It's completely sad because you're rolling through what feels like it's at least 20 images or something around mm -hmm. there. 20 images of these women that like meant something to you superficially or, you know, I don't know, in an exotic, not exotic, but like, in a, like just, it was, a, it was just erotic to you. Mm -hmm. But then they're just left behind to be nothing. You know, I don't know. Wow. What am I trying? What am I saying? I don't know. I don't know. Like you, the one thing you're, you, the reason you were with so many people is it's almost like he's acting like it's all their fault. Oh, he 100% thinks it's all their fault. Right. But clearly the reason you're going through 20 fucking pictures is because of you. Right. Like there's something wrong with you and you still won't fucking acknowledge it. No. He has to pay a sex worker played by Rita Moreno, who's amazing. You're right. To like, another, like, again, every female actress in this, in this movie is great. Is great. But she literally has to like, he cannot even get aroused without her telling him how horrible all these women have been to him and how he's so manly and it's all the like women's fault that it, like he's driven down. Right. Like that's the only thing that can like turn him on at that point. And that's incredibly sad. And I get that, but it, I mean, I feel like, I feel like this movie has points to make and it's, it's like, it's very cringeworthy and misogynistic, but that's the point it's making. It's not right. saying, it's not like mash where they're like, isn't it funny the way we're abusing these women? It's like, isn't it horrible the way we're treating these women? Right. But that doesn't make it any easier to watch. No. It's still just like, oh, I don't, like, I don't need to see a movie to know that men treat women like trash. You know what I mean? Like, that's. I know, but maybe in 1972 or 1971 you did. I'm sure they knew it then. Well, too. no, but you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> maybe men I needed mean, to see it. Sure. Honestly, again, I don't know why this was any kind of project outside of an off Broadway play. Yeah. I really don't. But at the end of the day, if if a if small minority or hopefully a majority of your audience walks away just being like, damn, do I ever sound like that? Or do I act like that? Or anything else. And the questions like who they are as a person and what they can do to change to be better before they see the outcome. Like, I then I think it's been effective. It's almost like this, this movie is an experiment in a way. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, in no way does it play like a traditional movie. So it's already yeah. it's kind of throwing you off as like, what am I watching? Which allows, you know, I guess more analysis of, of kind of taking it all in and critiquing what's being... For sure. But do you think if you, so, if you were a man who thought that way about women to begin with, do you think if you went and watched this movie, you would take away the fact that they're sad, horrible men? Or do you think you would just be like... Yeah, they are ball busters. You're right, Jack Nicholson. I mean, I guess that's a hard one to answer because, like, personally, I mean, I mean, I connected with it on some degree, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I've been like, I've talked like that. I mean, I was ten years fucking younger, but like, <laughs> yeah, uh, I grew out of it, right? Um, however, to say that I don't know people that still talked like that to some degree would be incorrect. So I guess, I don't know. I want to say, obviously I want to say there would be a change, but no, I think you're, I think you're right. But then I think, then I can't justify why this does exist. Yeah. And I mean like, and maybe, maybe it would, it, some people would walk away. Cause I mean, I don't know specifically like with, I don't know. It's hard to say. Cause I can't really put myself in the shoes of someone who doesn't respect women. You know what I mean? So it's hard to say, but you mean you've never not respected women? I've pretty much always respected <laughs> women, yeah. But um, I will say 
this movie was very hard to watch. And like you were saying, my main problem with it is that the most interesting characters, the women in the movie were sidelined in service of exploring these men continuing to be like, there was no character growth from Jack Nicholson or Art Garfunkel. And yet there's these female characters like Candace Bergen's character. Like it would be so much more interesting to explore why she was sleeping with these two friends in college and why she decided to marry one of them. And it honestly would have been interesting too, to see the way the three of them interacted once her and Sandy were married. Right. That would have been an interesting thing to see. Right. I think that Bobby played by Anne Margaret is the most interesting character in the best performance in this entire movie. And we get to see so little of her, like the, the, change that she goes through from who she is as like an independent working woman to like this woman who this kept woman who has no life and like needs him for validation like that's an arc that would have been more interesting to see as opposed to just seeing everything from his perspective yes and so and even carol kane at the end doesn't even get a line i would like to know why this 18 year old is dating (laughs) right a fat art garfunkel like that'd be a good thing to know but that's not what the movie's about. So I can't, I'm like, it's dumb but, for me to be like, but no, no, no. Cause those are the, but see, that's why it makes it even more clear that that is intentional. Yes. It's not just like, you just had all the better ideas. Like, I can't believe they didn't do this. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Why didn't they, I was trying to think of a Marvel reference and I couldn't, but uh, you know, why didn't they just like take the gauntlet off? Whatever. I, you know, they, well, they just use the giant Eagles to fly to the boom. Exactly. Right. <laughs> he says, fly you fools. Okay. But, uh, no, but I think that is the intentional part. Do you know what I mean? I feel like these women are ripped out for a reason. I think we are focusing on these guys for a reason. What that reason is, I mean, I've talked a lot about it, but maybe part of it is very unclear to me still. Like, honestly, this movie, more than the other two, which I enjoyed more, is probably going to stick with me a lot longer. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Because I, w- I want to know why. I really respe- respect Mike Nichols as a storyteller. Mm-hmm. I love Jack Nicholson. Like, why did Jack yeah. Nicholson find interest in this? He was just was he not done yelling at women yet? I don't know. <laughs> our, Garf- our Garfunkel gives a phenomenal performance. In like 90% of the time, he's great. 10% is like, I don't know. But 90% like, of the time, he's, to singing art. he's great. Right, right, right. <laughs> It was just surprising, surprising to watch. But yeah, like there has to be a reason. I, I really want to, you know, I, I wish we, this could even uh, kind of uh, sat with me a little bit more before we recorded. But we're trying to get this done before we go to Europe. So yes. Um, and I will say I do want to point out too, though, Anne Margaret's performance. I kind of touched on it before, but it mm-hmm. is astounding. And I mean, the only things I've really seen her in before, are like Bye Bye Birdie, and sure. you know. Elvis movies but like she's so good in this movie the the scene um where she she proposes the idea of living together yeah and then he goes off on this like just ridiculous rant like her face through that whole thing and then it's just perfection like that her in that scene is perfection I would agree like I honestly thought I could take a frame and like frame it you know what yeah. I mean like literally like when she when he's back in the bathroom and she's like sitting against the wall and the the camera just so elegantly sits above her nipples and she it's looks It's so good cuz she's like breathing so it's yeah, like it looks like it they're looks, about to come into frame it's amazing. and they never do. It's amazing. It's sexy. Yeah, you you're just like diving in like what is she thinking about? You know what I mean? Like what mm-hmm. she And then the whole conversation takes place camera again barely moves it just cuts to Jack Nicholson but stays on her in the same way. <sighs> You're right. I loved it. And it was the, that's the, like that was my favorite scene in the whole movie. And the fight scene is incredible. Where Jack Nicholson goes and where she, you know, aims him mm-hmm. is just, I mean, a highlight of watching actors do their thing. That scene took like a week to shoot. Is that another fun fact? Yeah. Great. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, um, it's amazing. And she was nominated for best supporting actress, which I think she 100 percent deserved. And not, like, that's cool. Cloris Leachman won for the Last Picture Show. Sure. But I, I mean, I would have given it to Anne Margaret. I would have too, honestly. Uh, Not nothing against Cloris. Cloris is very good as no, well. She's but fine. yeah. But, uh, but it definitely should have been Anne Margaret's. Yeah, she really is great. She really is great. But um, 
I don't know. I would watch the middle section of this movie again before, like, yeah. I don't think I need to see the college stuff again. No. But the third act plays very strongly, I think, as a conclusion to their story. Mm-hmm. It's brief. It's a lot shorter. But it's just a night. Nice, it's just a tragic end to a tragic, to, tra- to two tragic characters. Yes. Absolutely. All right. You want to know what other people thought about it? Sure. Well, on Rotten Tomatoes, it has an audience score of 71% and a critic score of 89%. Okay. Uh, it's legacy is minimal. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> At the box office, it made 12.3 million. So a little bit less than Clute, I guess. Wow. I feel like though this movie was obviously like a draw because it was like a lot of nudity. And Anne Margaret, I think, was, you know, getting her start in the 60s is this like I think a lot of people had a crush on Anne Margaret is what I'm saying. And sure. I think a lot of them wanted to go see her naked. That's interesting. And I think, I think in the seventies, everyone was very like, Oh, we can talk about sex now. We're right. going to go see movies with sex. Right. And they could explore thing more could things, which is probably a major reason this movie exists too. Yes. With the language these guys use and like the things they're talking about, like, Holy shit. I haven't heard guys talk like this outside of my friend group. Do you right. know what I mean? And for sure. It's almost like seeing that. So now, but that just feels like it would appeal to those guys. I don't know. See, I feel like that is is such so contextual too. Like I feel like back then, like yeah, you didn't hear men talking like that unless you were a man and you were talking to your friends. Right. Like now, 2018, like our president just says shit like right, that. So right. I mean, it is very different. It's not as like shocking. It's just more upsetting. So maybe, did it, so maybe could it have possibly? I'm not trying to, again, justify the reason this movie exists, but, like, do you think it could have possibly started conversations between men and women about, like, is that how you talk when you're with your friends? I mean, possibly, for sure. Like, why does it exist? Oh, see, now I I just said I wasn't going to try to do that, but, like, I need to know why this movie exists. It's bothering me, but, like, it's bothering me in a good way. Yeah. Because it is not appealing like a movie should be. It really isn't. No. Um, But it does exist for a reason. And, again, Mike Nichols knows what he's doing yes or maybe figured it out later but (laughs) i mean it's certainly um at the bottom of my list of mike nichols movies but uh (laughs) sure but it's not gonna make me like discount mike nichols okay so with our supplementals in mind are there any of these three movies that you would have liked to have uh been nominated in place of another for the 1972 Oscars. You know, this is really poor planning, but like I forgot even what was nominated. I reminded you at the top of the show. Would you like me to remind you yes. again? Fiddler. Fiddler on the Roof. Nicholas and Alexandria. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Alex. Uh, Clockwork Orange, The Last Picture Show, and The French Connection. I mean, they okay. They all have their merits, except for Nicholas and Alexandria. So, I don't know. For best picture, performances, like, was Jane Fonda nominated for Clute? She won. Where she won been? for Clute. <laughs> oh, we talked about that? Yes. She won for Clute? Yes, Good she won. Her. I wish Maude would have been nominated. Yeah. For, I mean, the actress. Ruth Gordon. Ruth Gordon, thank you. I should really bring notes to the table on these. Maybe. Or just remember Maybe things we, we talked about Let 10 minutes ago. You bring notes to the couch on these. <laughs> Uh, no, that's true. Like, there's certain aspects from each that I think could be celebrated and may have been, apparently. <laughs> uh, if I had to choose one movie to possibly replace Nicholas and Alexandria, it would probably be Harold and Maude. Refreshing and different than the rest of the nominees on the table. Different enough to, like, I, th- I think it, it could have deserved a place up there. I agree. I agree. If I were going to replace anything, I would replace Nicholas and Alexandra, and I would probably choose Harold and Maude. One, because I think comedies hardly ever get recognition at the Oscars, and I think they should. And that's a movie that definitely deserves to. And Cardinal Knowledge, obviously, I wouldn't, I don't think should be nominated. And Clue, I feel like, I feel like in the 70s, there were a lot of those like surveillance movies, and like, Mm -hmm. and I don't think this is like the best representation of those movies. Exactly. Like, I really enjoyed it, but do I think it's like a best picture yeah, nominee? No. no, I don't. I don't think so. Especially like, I mean, if I could replace two nominees, maybe I would. You know what I mean? But I'm not gonna try to like. 
No, and I I feel like this. I feel like 1972 was a really strong year, honestly. Like, yeah. even though I would replace Nicholas and Alexandra with Harold and Maude, like that was still a, a fine movie. You know, like sure. I see the well, merits of why that of movie. Neither of us were fans with French Connection, but again, well, yeah, was, I feel like it deserves its spot. French Connection 100 deserved so to be nominated. Yeah. I don't think it deserved to win, right, but it deserved right, to be nominated. Right. So yeah, so I think we, I think we're in agreement. That if any of these would got in, it would have been Harold and Maude. Okay. Or maybe THX 1130. You listening, Academy Awards? This is for your reconsideration. Harold and Maude instead of Nicholas and Alexandria. Yeah, go back and fix it. All right, so that's it for this bonus episode. We will be back next week with a regular episode where we will be discussing the 1992 Academy Awards. See you then. Bye.